0: Welcome to the Renovate Church sermon podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God, and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon, and we hope it blesses and encourages you. Amen. Amen. Um, One of the things uh, that happens here at Renovate is we're connected to lots of things that happen globally. We are working in Brazil, we're working in Mexico and Nicaragua and uniquely in Europe through a ministry called Josiah Venture. So Josiah Venture was started about uh, 28 years ago, it was uh, two couples who had a passion for Eastern and Central Europe for the young people as communism was falling in the early 90s. And they began to go in uh, and to engage these countries. They now work in 16 countries in Central and Eastern Europe. And so we're connected to them. We've sent short-term teams to serve there in Slovakia. Uh, Raymond, where did you serve? Czech, Czech Republic. Republic. Czech Republic. And um, so one of the missionaries uh, who is from Slovakia, they have about 400 field staff that work in these 16 countries, uh, is here with us this morning, uh, Zuska. And I wanted her to just come up and share a little of her story, what JV's doing, and then uniquely some things they've gone through here in the last season.
1: Thank you, Pastor Dave. Hi everyone, I'm just so blessed to be here. The worship was incredible. The offering was incredible, thank you so much. Um, So I just have a very short video to show you about Josiah Venture. So if you could play it, thank you.
2: King Josiah was only 16 years old when he began seeking God. By the time he was 26, God had used this young ruler to bring revival, leading his people back to the truth. Today, Central and Eastern Europe desperately needs its own Josiahs, young men and women who are ready and willing to lead people to Christ. God has called Josiah Venture to be a part of this movement. Every day we see him working, As we share Jesus with young people through our English and music camps, performing arts and sports ministries. As we train students and leaders, raising up men and women who are committed to Christ and discipling others. As we partner with local churches to build healthy, reproducing communities of believers. God is changing lives and he's changing countries. It's happening now. But we know this is just the beginning. God is asking us to follow him as he continues to bring hope and life to this generation.
1: So this is Josiah Venture. Actually, Josiah, King Josiah was eight uh, when he became king. So can you imagine that? Um, it's really, really small. And um, he actually took um, the whole country back to God. And that's actually our vision. Our vision is a movement of God among the youth in Central and Eastern Europe that finds it home in the local church and transforms society. So we believe that a movement can be only done when there is God behind it. Um, young people in Europe, basically, all of the big rev- reformations or whatever was happening, like big movements, were done by people that were between 18 to 25 years old um, because those people have energy. They have that, you know, vibe that we can do everything. <laughs> And and we are looking at the countries that are post-communist in Central and Eastern Europe. We believe that local church is a bride of Christ and we do everything that um, it can prosper. And um, yeah, so basically, as as Dave said, we are in 16 countries. There is roughly 500 million people in Europe. 32.5 million of young people uh, are in in Central and Eastern Europe and only 1%. Uh, knows Jesus as their personal savior. Um, so if you look at like if we look at the numbers, it would be like as if in one room of hundred people, only one percent one person would believe that Jesus is their personal savior. So I know people who are the only person in the school uh, that believes in Jesus or in their class, and they have to just like live their lives like that. Um, so if you look at Slovakia, Slovakia is this small country. We are the heart of Europe. We love ice hockey. I know you guys don't know anything about ice hockey, but it's so sad. <laughs> we are 68.8% Catholic, but people are Catholic because they're Slovak. So it's a cultural thing. If you ask them about Jesus, they know that he died um, on Easter, and then he brings gifts in uh, Christmas. That's about it. Um, so that's, that's Slovakia. I, w- I want to show you one short one picture about uh, my city, Bratislava. If you can go to the next slide. Next one. Yes! This is my city. That's where I live. Um, so I'm very happy to be there. And um, my life, basically, I was 10 when I went to a camp and I got to know Jesus. I got to know him as a personal savior. And I actually just got married three months ago, so that's why I have the weddings <laughs> wedding pictures over there. But my husband, actually, he um, was a part of the ministry in JV. He just got to go to a camp when he was 17, and we had American, uh, Americans come there and teach English. So he got two things out of the camp. He actually learned English, and he got to know Jesus. So that's why he's my husband now. Um, and if just, like, really briefly, uh, last year we had 12 camps. This summer, actually, 472 students came 219 unbelievers came to the camp, which is, I think, almost like 50%, and I think it's incredible. And, 11 and uh, 111 people came to Christ. 55 reaffirmed his uh, their beliefs. Uh, so this is something that we do. I'm happy to talk to you after the service. Um, there will be a little bit of finger food and stuff. So I'm happy to talk to you if you want to learn more or if you want to join the movement. I'll be there and talk too. Thank you very much, Dave.
0: All right. So, hey, we've been in this series uh, on DNA. And this morning I want to talk about what many consider to be the most powerful chapter in all the Bible. And uniquely, about 22 verses that are considered to be the highest concentration of the gospel anywhere in the Bible. In Romans 8, Paul has been talking about this plight all the way through Romans 1, 2, 3 that's going on. And he comes into Romans chapter 8 and he begins to talk about this life through Christ, this life through the Spirit that we can have and he, he's uniquely talking to an audience in Rome who are going through incredible difficulty and hardships Rome is where Nero was torching Christians where persecution was happening where there was real economic need there was real relational tension that was happening and and Paul so Paul's writing to this audience he's writing to these roman believers he's writing into this context where they're going through trials and they're going through hardship and they're going through difficulty and in verses 17 through 39 of romans chapter 8 paul's going to give some of the most incredible encouragement to us as Christ followers, to us as believers, that I think every single one of us, literally one commentator said, these are letters of hope. Letters of hope that he is giving t- to these Roman believers in the midst of everything that they're going through. So, guys, here's the, the reality the struggle is real, but so are the promises. The struggle's real. So let's look at what Paul gives us here in Romans 8, chapter, verses 17 through 39. First thing that Paul says, he says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So Paul's talking about this hardship the suffering in the verses right before that, he's, that's what he's, he's talking about. But then Paul pivots, and he says, hey, listen, this, this present suffering that you're going through, physically, at work, with your children, relationally, economically, wh- maritally, whatever you're going through, this present suffering can no way compare to the glory that's going to be revealed, to the future glory. Paul actually uses a mathematical term here to give this comparison. He said it's not even comparable this short time of what we're going through. He says, I want you to, to continue to remember that on the other side of this trial, there's glory. On the other side of this, this, this life, this thing that we're going through is, is so short. And I love what Raymond says all the time to us in our staff meetings. He says, when you're a believer, you're fighting from a place of victory, not to a place of victory. You're fighting from a place of victory. And this is what Paul was talking about. So he says this present suffering can no way compare to the future glory. But then he goes on and he says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So there will come a time, Paul's writing here, when all the pain and corruption in the world will be rectified. The ultimate justice is going to happen. Paul's saying, like the earth itself is like groaning because of what's going on in the world. When you look at the news and the tragedy, he says the world itself is kind of in this this place of, of groaning for change to happen, for transformation to happen, for justice to happen. Paul says there is a time when all this is going to be rectified. He goes on to say, we know, That the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. The redemption of our bodies. So Paul's talking and he says, everything that we're going through, physically, emotionally. This body that's decaying, this body that's getting old. I'm now 55 and a half years old, and it's like I'm feeling it more and more. He says, hey, you know what? There is going to come a time when all that's going to be redeemed. And then he goes into this short thing of five successive times where he uses this word hope. He says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In other words, the believer is postured in hope. Hope that things are going to get better. That, that there is a, a final redemption. That, there, that, that, that God, there is, God will get us through these trials. He uses that, it's this quick successive thing of hope, 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 hope. Then he goes on to say, there's help for us right now in our weaknesses. He says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So there's help for you and I right now. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He comes to assist us as we walk through our difficulty. We don't have to go through it alone. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, He's our helper, He's our wisdom. And Paul was saying this, that, that you don't have to go through the things that you're going through alone. And then it gets better. It gets better from here. Look at what he Paul goes on to say. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, so he... He knew every single one of us, intimately created us. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So Paul's Paul's saying here that God, no matter what situation... That you are in right now in your marriage, what situation you're in physically, what situation you're in financially, what situation you're in in your own soul in your battle against depression and against hardship and against fear, no matter what's going on with your kids. Paul is saying here you have to understand that God is working all things together for your good. For those who love him and have been called according to his purpose he's working it together i remember when i was 18 years old and i just played my freshman year of basketball and i scored 14 points a game and made 15 freshman all american and i came back to ohio university and we were getting ready to go to europe and i went into the college bookstore and sport magazine had their basketball edition already out in august And I opened to the basketball section and they were ranked, they ranked the top 20 shooting guards in the country and they had me ranked fifth going into my sophomore year. I thought, oh my gosh, it's happening. The dream is happening. I went to Europe on this tour, I was averaging 30 points a game and we were in Holland one night and we were at the Olympic Training Center and I was walking across the campus and I'd gone out to a disco the night before with a bunch of my teammates, and I felt a voice say to me, do you want me, or do you want the world? And I said, I have to be honest, I want the world. I want popularity. I want it all. That night, I went out, and two minutes into the second half, a 265-pound player fell through my right knee, shattering it. They put me on a plane to London, to New York, to Columbus, Ohio. The doctor in Columbus, Ohio looked and he said, you've shattered everything in your knee. You'll never play again. How can God work that together for good? Because if I had never been injured, I never would have had a chance to play for my coach my fifth year who actually got the best out of me that took me from 19 points a game to 31 points a game. Is one of the reasons why I got to the NBA. God, not only what he did internally in me, but what he did even just in allowing me to have the fifth year. He worked it all together for good. God has that ability. It's powerful. We know that in all things, God works for the good. This is Paul, again, encouraging. You have, we have to get his perspective, and we have to trust no matter what we're going through, that God is in it, and he's sovereign, and he's working it together for our good and his glory. And then it gets even better. I, I think i just going to stop there. Wait, God works all things together for good. For those who love him according to purpose. We have to see that God is sovereign. God, what you're doing with our children, we might not see it right now, but God, I'm trusting you that you're working it together for good. Then he goes on to say that God is for us, not against us. Look at what he says in verse 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? What I've just said, Paul's saying, what what then can we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, his most prized, cherished possession, his son, how will he not also, along with him, Christ, graciously give us all things? All things. And he didn't hold back on giving Jesus. Guys, this is, Paul is like, again, he's encouraging him in the midst of this. Like, know who you are. Know what God has done in Christ. Know what he's given you at the cross. Then he goes on to say this. That Jesus is at the right hand of God, cheering you on. And interceding for you. He's at the right, God, Jesus is up at the right hand of God right now. Going, go, Jen Killian. Go. go in be, be between the Father. Look at, look at Jen. God, give her strength today. Give her power today. He's going in, he's interceding. He's interceding for Mark. Mark, Tolman, he's interceding for Willie Hendricks. This is what he's doing. Because look at what it says. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? Yes. Who then is the one who condemns? He's basically saying, listen, because of what Christ has done, we should not live in condemnation. He says, who, who, who is going to bring condemnation against God's elect? It's God who justifies. And look what he says. No one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. Man, I love that. I love that. On that European trip that I was sharing with you guys about, we were in Belgium before we went to Holland, and we were driving down the road on a team bus, getting ready to go to Ghent to play in a tournament, and we looked to the left, and there was a guy that looked like my dad driving a car, and my dad was infamous for driving everywhere to see me play. My dad would leave school sometimes, drive straight to Upper Peninsula, Michigan, to Central Michigan, and he would show up at game time, and I would always get there and in the warm-up line I would find my dad and my dad would be like he would do this I didn't care there's 7,000 people in the stands man my dad was there and my dad this is what this is saying Jesus is interceding for us, man, to know that right now, that whatever I'm going through, Jesus is pulling for me. He's cheering me on. He's interceding. He's a go-between. If we're lacking, if we're going through weariness, he's saying, Father, strengthen them today. God, they're discouraged. Encourage them today, Holy Spirit. God, right now, They're disillusioned. God, give them fresh vision for their life. Man, that's powerful. But then it gets better. Seriously. Paul goes on to say nothing can separate the believer from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Look at what he says who shall separate us from the love of christ who or what shall trouble he gives seven threats he's going to list seven threats right here that the romans were facing that many of us face today he's going to say he's going to go just sequentially bang 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 what who who shall separate us from the shall trouble or hardship or persecution? Or famine? Not having enough food on the t- Or nakedness? Or danger? Or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No! No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Jesus put Things under his feet. Jesus put fear under his feet. Jesus put alienation under his feet. Jesus put brokenness under his feet. Jesus conquered. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. And guess what? He calls us to be more than conquerors. So when something comes against you, it's working for your good. But then ultimately, as you walk through it and overcome it, and he's glorified, you conquer it. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, Angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, this is powerful. One of the most famous Radio personalities of all time, he used to have a saying. His name was Paul Harvey. And he had, his saying was, and now for the other side of the story. No matter what we're going through, what you're going through, these are letters of hope this article I read this week, let me just read how this pastor concluded this passage of scripture. Our present suffering is nothing compared to the glory that awaits us. The world will be liberated from its bondage and decay. We too will experience the fullness of bodily redemption and wholeness. Come on, anybody yearning for wholeness? Wholeness. Come on, we're broken, but God's working in us, and we won't be broken forever. Right now, the Spirit is in us to help us on our journey. All things work together for good for those of us who are God's people. We are predestined to be more and more like Jesus, and we are justified and glorified. God is for us. God has given his son for us and will ultimately give us all things. God declares us righteous because of Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus now. Jesus is raised and exalted and is praying and contending for us. We are loved and nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. What a picture. Come on. I needed to hear this. So as we're fighting our battles, as we're fighting our battles, because every one of us has battles that, that we're in, right? Every one of us. The reality is, is he's victorious. He's victorious. We have the worship team come up and lead us in one last song. My hope this morning was to just encourage you. Encourage you as I prepared this week and listened to the worship songs we were gonna sing, really sense that God was like, hey, people are going through battles. They're going through challenges. They're going through hardships. Just remind them of these letters of hope, these eight things that Paul said in Romans 8, 17 through 39. So man, maybe one of them, I know for me, the thing that I'm grabbing a hold of, God is working all things together for good. That's what I grabbed onto this week. God, thank you that you're working all, I can trust you. You're working all things together in my children's lives. You're working all things together for good at Renovate. You're working all things together for good in my marriage. You're working all things together for good in my finances. Thank you, God walk around in anxiety, and fear, discouragement. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word that's living and active. Thank you for, God, that you are the God of all encouragement. Just pray, just breathe freshly on every person here. I pray that just... Garments of discouragement, garments of hopelessness, weariness would just fall off. People today, God, strengthen every person here. Fill them with fresh joy, fresh peace, fresh vision, fresh prosperity. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning if you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with jesus we would love to be here to talk that through with you the bible says in first john five twelve that whoever has the son has life and we really believe that here at renovate so again if you want to start a relationship with jesus if you're just interested in learning more about the faith you have questions we'd love to hear from you as well or if you want to grow as a follower of jesus or get more involved in what we're doing we'd love to hear from you so just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at again we're so glad you are able to join us we hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon